0: I'm going to have you read our uh, uh, text this morning. Can you see that okay? Are you, you don't have readers yet. No. Okay, you'll get there. Um, <laughs> um, uh, you'll probably hear Paul's voice on the podcast this week because he's going to help me do that. Thank you for all of you who have jumped in. If you want to jump in, shoot me a text or call, and, and we'll see if we can arrange that. My problem is I don't always know when I'm going to have time to be able to, to do that, but I love having everybody apart. Paul? Since uh, uh, you're, they're going to hear your voice, they have to get used to your voice a little bit. Okay. So just try not to cringe too much, guys. I know it's hard. Um, a not a big really. southern accent. Do you still have it? Do you still have it? No? Okay. All right, go for it. Go for it, Wisconsin. <laughs> All right. Uh, our verse today is from Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the other can reach out and help. But someone who fails... Uh, alone or falls alone, is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Thank you, Paul. Give him a hand. Deciding if I want to do this. Okay, I'm going to. Because otherwise I have to. All right. Well, uh, we, we talked last week about being salt and light in our interactions with our neighbors. Uh, people who are geographically close to us, but we might not have a close relationship with. And today I want to zoom in to talk about people we are close with. People we do have equity with. Uh, think about Jesus, for example. He he had the crowds. That was sort of the community at large. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. He had the seventy. Which would have been sort of that group of neighbors, people who knew him, and he knew. But then he had the twelve and the three; these are people he had journeyed with, and people who he he called friends. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. I'm going to give you five points on this that I think are important, um, and I'm going to interview a couple of people. It's been, isn't it, been cool this hearing from other people who really rock at this stuff? We're going to do that this morning um, as well. But here's where we're going to start. Okay. This first point is just about as as obvious as you can get um, in being salt and light in friendships, reflecting Jesus in friendships. The first thing is to pursue them. Pursue friendships and then keep pursuing them. Because if you do not, then they'll fade. The verse that Paul just read says, two are better than one. Why, Why am I still holding this? I have this. I'm like, something is not right here. I'm just double amplified. I don't... Thank you, thank you, Dan. So weird. I always have this feeling like this is strange. Something's something's different. I can't use both my hands. (sighs) Hug me. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) Goodness. Um, So uh, yeah, he when when God said it's not good for Adam to be alone, he wasn't only talking about Eve. Okay. I think he was giving us a general statement about humanity. It's not good for you to be alone. And for some reason, it, this happens anyway. So many of us wind up alone, even though, as the scripture is telling us, you know, the world is cold, the, war, the world is dangerous, the world is a difficult place, and we need one another. We need to walk together. It's so easy to let those people who we would journey with kind of drift in our relationships to sort of disintegrate out of sheer lack of maintenance. And and I think it's so important that we be intentional. You were never supposed to navigate life without friendship, guys. You never were. We're far too limited. We're not smart enough or strong enough. We need one another. I was thinking, why is it so easy to neglect friendship? And I, I think there's lots of reasons, but I think there's cultural things at work here that end up, Uh, that friendship ends up getting de-emphasized. One of them is in our larger sort of American culture, secular culture, and it's this. Friendships get de-emphasized because of romance. Like, romance becomes the thing, right? Like, eros over phileo, you know? Like, uh, friendship becomes the, the little younger brother of romance. You know, that's why it's like nobody wants to be in the friend zone, you know? Like, oh, oh, you're just friends. Oh, but you know what I mean? It's sort of like, and then we end up even borrowing romantic language to describe friends that are actually close. Because it's like, we almost don't have a file for that now. Like, look look at that bromance, you know? Like, it's kind of funny. use the term sometimes, bromance. But it's like, are we uncomfortable with the fact that people could just be really dear, dear friends? We have Women Crush Wednesday, you know. Is that really necessary? Like, oh, just like, hey, they're really good friends, and that's the same way both with, with same sex friendships and with uh, across the way. Like, I feel like it's just looked on as it's not as good, which is unfortunate. And I think we're a little bit, I think we're a little bit better um, at that in the church. Um, I, I, I don't think friendship gets overshadowed so much by romance, but it does still get buried. You know what it gets buried by though? Family. Which is beautiful. Family is amazing and it's beautiful. All those things, we know that, right? We just got a beautiful picture of that. But something that just tends to happen, and you look at all the the trends and the studies, and you see when people have a bunch of close friends when they're in their 20s and their 30s, they get a little more. You know, then there's lots of piano lessons and soccer practice and bath night, which can last for way too long and all the cleanup of bath night, you know, like all of these things come and pretty soon you're like, when's the last time we hung out with those people who are our closest friends? Oh, it's been like six months. Guys, that's not okay. <laughs> that's not good for us. And and so I think that's what happens. I think the, the demands of, of family end up overshadowing um, uh, uh, friendships and we really really need friendships. We can't rely on family to be everything for us. We, we just can't. That's asking too much. If your spouse is your only friend, that might just be a season, but I want to encourage you, like, that puts a lot of pressure on your spouse, you know that? Like, a lot. So, I want, I want to uh, encourage you. Pursue friendships. You need those relationships. God, put those in your life. Now, I'm going to push this a little bit further, and some of you might disagree with me, and that's okay. It's okay to disagree with me. But I want you to consider this, okay? I believe you need friendships of both sexes. Yeah, right? Gasp! But it can be a controversial thing. It can be a hard thing to know how to navigate, you know? But here's the thing. God created sons and daughters in the kingdom of heaven, right? What does that make us? Brothers and sisters, but what happens if the only way we know how to relate to each other is out of out of you know romance or and, and, and sexual tension or lack of that? Like what what if that's the only thing? Isn't that a problem? Is there you know like there's all of this stuff the world walks in. I remember growing up and always hearing about the movie when Harry met Sally. I don't think I've ever even seen it, but it was always, people always talked about that movie because there was a question in that movie can men and women be friends without romance and sex stuff getting in the way? And that was like the serious question that people asked. And I always scratched my head going, how immature are we? Like, where are we at junior high? I don't understand the question. Can men and women be friends without romance getting in the way? You guys, we're grown-ups here. Some of us, most of us. Wait, I mean, in other words, there are kids in here too, but you understand what I'm saying? Like, if we cannot see one another as brothers and sisters without the question of romance hanging over it, we got some things to work through. Like that is a very to me it's a very immature question that the world's asking, and I think we as believers ought to model what it's like to have brothers and sisters and have there be 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 no nothing else there but lifting up one another and receiving goodness from each other. And 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 it's it's I I know why people avoid it and are nervous about it because obviously there could be questions of, you know, what about temptation arising and those things? But, But the fact is, the fact is we need wisdom and discernment, not just in that area, and we do need wisdom and discernment in that area. But we need wisdom and discernment in all the areas of our life. Like, are we not using wisdom and discernment in other areas that temptation can arise? Let me put it to you this way. Every time you go into your favorite store, whether that's Target or REI or GameStop, every time you go into your favorite store, you are confronted with the possibility of temptation because greed is a very real thing, and it's a sin. You know that? Every time you go into Papa's Pizza for the buffet, you are confronted with a real temptation to gluttony. Are you not? I am. Good grief. Every time you log into Facebook, you are confronted with the possibility of anger and hatred towards your brother. <laughs> and we know instinctively, okay, we have to navigate that. I know there could be, uh, it's a, and I have to navigate that. and That's obviously true. And I think sometimes instead of seeing this, it, this part of our lives of friendship, thinking I need to navigate that, sometimes we just wanted to run away from it. Like I, I shouldn't, I, I have my wife... And, and then have some, a bunch of, you know, a handful of close same gender friends. But then everyone over there, all the other, you know, women in my life are just distant acquaintances that I say hi to, and then I like get all awkward. We were made to be brothers and sisters and to show the world how to uphold one another's value for who they are. I think that's one of the great blessings we have in the kingdom of God. And I want to encourage you don't be scared of that. Please use discernment. Please use openness. Please walk in the light. Please be open with spouses, all that all that kind of stuff, okay? I know that looks different for everybody because there are different places. I could give like a million disclaimers. We could have a long, long talk about this, but we can't. I just want to encourage you. You need those people in your life. I'm trying to imagine like what my life would be like without like cross-gender, without women who have been my friends. Like, I think of Janae McWilliams, who we lost three years ago. You guys, I cannot imagine what my life would have been like without Janae. I just can't. And we were very, very close. We we became like brother and sister. And I I just can't imagine that. And today, I still have wonderful friends in my life who are women. You guys, I need Janelle Wallace in my life. Please do not tell her that. Do not tell her, because her head... I need Carly Davis in my life. You guys, these are like sisters in my life. I need them. I need Karen Revis and Ann Nunn and Amber Riggs. I need like so many of you in my life because we're brothers and sisters. And there's things that you can give me and I can give you and we can build one another up. Am I belaboring that point too much? I just want you to think about it, okay? I think that's the way God's designed us. We need Friendships, and we can show the way in that. Amen? Maybe a little amen? Half amen? Okay. All right. (laughs) Thank you. I wasn't looking for applause there. I just wanted to throw that out there. I know that's a thing that's, you know, whatever. I'm going to take a drink of water. Is that okay? Talk amongst yourselves. (laughs) Some of you got that reference. All right. The second thing being solid and light in friendships. Tell the truth. Tell the truth in friendship. Proverbs 27, 5-6 to says this, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. <laughs> Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. We don't have much equity with the neighbors that we talked about last week. Like, we don't usually know them that, that well, which is why sometimes... You know, we need to be careful about how we confront in that arena. It's it's not that we never should confront. Sometimes we need to. But as we used to say, I, I was thinking about this quote. We used to say this all the time, Paul, back in my To build a bridge of trust that can withstand the weight of truth. Like, I, isn't that good? Build a bridge of trust that can withstand the weight of truth. And most of the time when we confront, we that needs to be in place. You know what I'm saying? But I think, you guys, sometimes your friend needs to hear a hard truth. And sometimes you need to hear a hard truth. And if your friend can't give that to you, I don't know who can. This is one of the reasons God gave friendship is for that very reason. Reflecting Jesus with our friends is not being a cheerleader. Although sometimes we should cheer each other on. Absolutely. But sometimes, you know, God rejoices over us with shouts of joy, right? But he also confronts us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The scriptures get in our way and tell us we're wrong. Sometimes we need to be able to step into a friend's life and say, hey, I need to talk to you about a thing. One of the things I'm so grateful for is, you know, um, and <laughs> our pastoral staff here, like we're all friends, like we know each other very well, and we have this we have the working relationship thing too. And and so we have to navigate and really protect friendship. And we have we've really implemented a thing called brave communication. Sometimes there's a thing that's between you and it's driving you crazy. And and it, sometimes it's just like, listen, I can bury that and out of like, oh, I choose not to hold this against you or whatever. Um, or and just let that fester for a really long time. Or we can just bring it out in the open and be honest about it. And we do that very carefully. We say, I need to have some brave communication with you right now. That thing that you said, or the thing that the way you've been acting has been affecting, or, or maybe it's I'm concerned about this thing in your life. And that sometimes costs us something. Because nobody wants to be confronted, right? Nobody wants to be called out. And nobody wants to call people out. Okay, that's not true. <laughs> Sometimes people really are excited about calling people out. If that's you, you're not ready to call them out, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm very serious. It's sort of like when people are like, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy punishing my child. It's like, yep, you need to talk to a counselor. And I'm very serious about that. Like that's It's not a thing. Calling people out, if you revel in that, you need to check your heart and get to a place when, when that's going to cost you something. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of selfishness that creeps in there. But sometimes we do, we, we do have to sit down and say, listen, there's there's this thing. Now, sometimes those are little things, right? We just, we need to talk about expectations in our friendship, you know? It's like, oh, I'm sorry that I offended you. Like, I really, I didn't realize that you wanted to watch um, that series that I just watched by myself together. I I thought it was just one episode. <laughs> no, <laughs> there was an expectation you had that wasn't communicated clearly that I'm so sorry, let's, commu- you know what I'm saying? Like, let's be honest about our expectations sometimes it's as easy as that and sometimes it can be a lot more serious i think of people who wander into sin and it's it's almost never a thing like that you know it's almost never a split second decision there's usually a progression isn't there there's usually little ways of compromise and and and, and you can see it coming and 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 when that happens and when somebody just really massively blows things up, I wonder sometimes what's going on in their friend groups. Because I can bet that somebody's not being honest. And it could be the person who is walking that path, right? It could be like hiding something, hiding a thing they're doing that they don't want their friends to know or not being totally honest about it. And sometimes it's their friends who see it but don't want to address it. Because they don't want to strain the friendship, and I want to say to you guys, sometimes your friend desperately needs you to say something, to challenge them. It could save them. <laughs> it could save people around them, and we have to give our friends the open door to do that with us too. And it's a beautiful thing. There's safety in friendships where there's honesty. There's safety. And I want to encourage you, cultivate honesty, cultivate truth-telling. The same can be true, by the way, in times of personal crisis, of of grief or anxiety or depression, those things. And, and, And when someone says, hey, how are you doing? And they call you up, how are you doing? And when you say, I'm totally good, things are fine. And then in the process, you can't receive the comfort that they might be able to offer you. Cultivate telling the truth and saying, you know what? I'm having a terrible time. Be honest, friends. Be honest. The third thing. Be generous in friendship. Now, I'm not talking about buying people things. I'm talking about being generous with your attention and your energy. There's a lot of talk today about self care and I think it's uh, some beautiful things about it right it's very healthy and it's it's a really wonderful conversation but sometimes i sometimes I'm afraid that we're taking that whole discussion and going beyond what Jesus would have us go you know like like where everything becomes priority for for me you know like I need to prioritize I think of the way that Jesus Jesus rolled with his disciples. Like he certainly had self-care and soul care, right? Like he prioritized time with the Father in the morning. He sometimes had to get away from everybody because yeah, wow, those 12 guys, you need that, right? He needed rest, he did that. But guys, he spent his entire life giving out, giving out, giving out, putting other people's needs above his own. And I think we need to remember that because I think a lot of the modern uh, discussion around some of these things would say the opposite. Like, don't ever put people's needs above your own. You care for you. And I'm like, I mean, some people need to hear that talk about boundaries. Some of you guys definitely need to hear that because it's like, I tend to give out and not know when to stop into my own detriment. Some of you really do, and I very much mean that. But I tend to think most of us might be the other side. Most of us might need a bit of a kick in the pants. Hey, your neighbor needs something from you. Love them. Your friend is alone and feeling very sad. Love them. Go bless them. I think that's the way that Jesus would roll. And certainly, again, he had those times of rest and taking care of himself. And I think sometimes if, if we're thinking we don't have those margins, maybe, maybe we really don't. Again, and those are times you need to understand about boundaries and drawing those. But sometimes I honestly think that our time we call self-care is we don't use that very well, you know? Like it just ends up binge-watching rings of power, which I'm all for. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, do, do, did, that fill, did that actually fill your, your relational tank? Did that allow you to reach out? I think we need to reprioritize that a little bit because sometimes we're just not as busy as we think we are. I think be generous in the way that we respond and give each other attention. I am uh, going to invite my friend Josiah Starr to the screen because he's not here this morning. Josiah, <laughs> Josiah was the best man in back-to-back weddings this August. I don't think I've ever seen that before. One weekend <laughs> was with Tyler uh, and, the, and the, the next with Bo. I mean, how often do you see that? And I was thinking, Josiah, a.k.a. Lil Buddy, as he's often called, <laughs> Josiah is really, really good at friendship. Those of you guys who know him know this is true. And so I was asking him a little bit about how he thinks about friendship, and he led with the verse about Jesus laying down his life. So let's let's listen to Josiah, who just got off work when we recorded. It. Jesus says,
1: "Greater love has none than this, that one lay down his life for his friend." Um, and I try to live that out with all my all my friendships, um, whether I'm, I'm with someone and they're doing really well um, or they're not doing really well at all. Um, I'm, I'm ready and available to lay down whatever I'm feeling in the moment, whatever I need to get done in the moment, whatever I want to do in the moment, whatever I want to talk about in the moment, um, and just be there for them and engage with them and talk about what they want to talk about or feel the things that they're feeling. Um, and I think that really shows people that, that I love them and I care for them and I want to be friends with them.
0: You're very present with people in those conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, What does that look like? What does being present look like for you?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, So I'm I'm always trying to be fully engaged with whatever I'm doing, Um, and when I'm hanging out with what person one-on-one or hanging out in a group setting, um, I try not to be on my phone or uh, just like stare at the TV or, or be totally disengaged. I'm trying to I'm trying as best I can to really listen to whoever is talking or listen to the conversations going on in the room, um, and be fully engaged. Um, and doing that allows me to really actually pick up on things and hear things and hear what people are saying. Um, and then it's, it's a lot easier for me to, um, to maybe later in another, another moment or, or that day or something be able to be like, Hey, I, I heard you talking about this. Um, you know what is that? What, what can you expound on that? Or, or maybe later a week later, be like, hey, I heard you talking about this and this part of your life. How's that going? It makes it a lot easier to have because friendship's really two way, and it makes it a lot easier for that to be two way if I start start that pathway. Um, and I'm going to meet you here and where you're at, and um, and show you that I love for you by engaging with whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're whatever you are feeling and want to talk about. Do
0: you think that those who are lonely? Could cultivate friendships by giving out that way
1: yeah it's it's hard it's not easy um it's, it's it's scary it's a risk to to take that step of vulnerability um, with others but i think deep down i think all of us have that desire to be known and to know others um and so as you practice more and more um taking that step and being like hey I'd love to hang out with you or, Hey, these are the things I'm working through. because you help me? Um, that shows people like, Oh, this person wants to be a friend. This person is available. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to try helping them. I'm going to try pursuing friendship with them. I'm going to try getting to know them more. Um, so I, yeah. What a stud, huh?
0: Now, let me ask you, how simple is that? Like conceptually, it's so simple, isn't it? To, to be willing, to think of even your conversations with one another in terms of generosity. Like, man, they are really excited about this thing. I should ask him about that. And, and, and to build, you know what I mean? To like make people really feel seen and understood. And, then, and he really is good at that. Next time you meet him, he's like, hey, how's that thing going? And it just bonds to, to, to people. Generosity is a beautiful thing. It makes me think of what Mike said last week about always thinking you have something to give. Because you really do, guys. You really do. Can I, have, Sharon? Can you grab that microphone on your way out? Oh, that microphone. Oh, sorry. It's okay. He's got it. Just throw it, Paul. Just not, not really. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, Bo. It was a joke, Bo. It was a joke. I give you Sharon Marty. You guys, this this woman is uh, she is a, a wonderful saint of the Lord, and um, she has. I think she's one of the best examples of friendship that I've seen, and she. Uh, we got to. Oh, you're, look at this. You're rolling, but oh, we're going that way. Okay, she. <laughs> she uh, led a home group for for years, and 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 now was a small group, and and throughout the years, she's been really wonderful at developing close personal relationships with people, and uh, to seeing them seeing those those friendships blossom. So, Sharon, when you are with these these uh, these blessed men and women, you you do something. You, you you use the term. You look for the gold in them. That's also something Jeff Starr talks a lot about. That. What do you mean by that?
2: Well, each person, um, the people. I think people are fascinating, and uh, each one God has placed beautiful things within them. And sometimes you don't see it until you take the step. To get to know them, and and you can pull it out of them, and many times they don't even know they have this within them. And, and we can and because through friendship we can draw it out.
0: So with these people that you had, you did see them over over a long time, and you got to know them deeply. Um, you had a way. You said draw it out. Give me an example. How how would that look?
2: Well, um, just uh, be real. <laughs> acceptance they feel the warmth they moment they walk in the door they know you're welcome right. you're accepted you're loved you're a brother or sister you're one of god's kids and we want to really get to know you and so you you were, we're talking too.
0: <laughs> and you mentioned too, like when you know them well, you can see the things you think, like the, who they really are and what God's called them to. And then you can encourage them in that.
2: Yes, yes. There's many times that, uh, like I said earlier, that they don't realize there's different things. And as, as they talk and share and you interact and you do things together and uh, and things pop out and stuff, and you can just encourage them in that and say, wow. That's, that's, oh, that's awesome. Did, did you, did you see that in yourself? And they're just sort of like in a state of shock. Uh, and that happened just recently. A woman, I was just like, man, you just do this and that or whatever. And, and she, and she just, she looked at me so shocked and just said, really? I don't, you know, I don't see that at all. But yet it's obvious to all the rest of us that are around them.
0: Isn't that a cool thing to be able to remind a person of who they are and be able to point it out from the outside? I, you you have another thing that, that as we were talking, really jumped out at me. You've cultivated long-term friendships to journey together for a really long time. And you know how to to walk through weeping and sorrow. And there's one person in particular that you were highlighting, which is super cool. And she's sitting over there. <laughs>
2: Marilyn Culpepper. <laughs>
0: what? How... You and Marilyn have walked together for a long time, and to walk have walked through some really, really hard things. Most notably,
2: yes, both of us, uh, both of our husbands are now with Jesus, and uh, so we we were there for each other uh, through the struggles with the husbands, our husbands' health issues, and then with our own things we were working through and having to deal with and decisions and crises and all the whole package, but we were there for each other. We, we knew we were praying for one another. We were, you know, phone calls, getting together. Just, it was so, so helpful.
0: Sharing grief together is a precious thing, isn't it? Sharing grief and celebration. This is our fourth point, to share grief and celebration. And as you guys walk through those seasons of, uh, of grief with your husbands and then as they passed in mourning them, um, your relationship has not stopped there. In fact, you guys have continued to get closer. Here's what I was excited about. This week I called her early in the week and asked her if she'd be willing to share about friendship. And she's like, well, it's going to be tough because Marilyn and I are going to the the Christian Renewal Center and spending three days there hanging out. And I'm like, how cool is that? Yeah. So you guys are walking around, you're palling around, visiting waterfalls, and your relationship has just blossomed, hasn't it? What You used a phrase this morning to describe that. Can you tell me?
2: I can't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, Marilyn and I were just remarking about a week ago about how they were like a pair of old shoes. You know, we just kind of just were all comfortable and, and we just walk along together and uh, just just relax, comfortable.
0: Joy and laughter, even reminiscing <laughs> about your husband's.
2: Yes, their idiosyncrasies and <laughs> our own and how, you know, we dealt with different things. And, and when our husbands were still alive, even our husbands and us, we would laugh about some of the things because the foibles that I had, Jim would you know, he just, ha, ha, ha. We were, That's really important to be able to learn to laugh at that kind of stuff. Yeah, so
0: Share joy and laughter, guys. Mm-hmm. Share joy and laughter. Thank you, Sharon, for showing us how... Pursue friendships, tell the truth about friendships, be generous, share grief and share joy. And finally this, be stubborn in your pursuit of celebration. Be stubborn. There's a lot of reasons why people are afraid or sorrowful. There's a lot of genuine concerns about the world and about our families and about health and about All of these things that are all around and it makes you want to shut yourself in a room and not celebrate. You guys, be stubborn about celebration. Pursue it. And celebration is is a team sport. It's very difficult to celebrate by yourself, isn't it? It's a team sport. If you don't think you can, import it. Because somebody somebody else went, hey, let's go do a thing. Let's. What are we doing? What are we celebrating? Nothing. It's nobody's birthday. We're just going over and we're having dinner and we're going to laugh. That is a beautiful and wonderful thing. Do it. Pursue celebration. There is a thing that we ran across years ago from a website called the Rabbit Room. And and there was a they have these different liturgies that they've written for for various things that you never think of like oh that's something that could be sacred and and they they wrote this a liturgy for feasting with friends we've actually used this sometimes as we some of us have gotten together here let's read the liturgy for feasting with friends I know that sounds incredibly nerdy but hang with it I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's really long but I want you to hear this okay this is why I love this I know some, for some people liturgy sounds like an old stuffy word but it's not check this out. To gather joyfully is indeed a serious affair for feasting and all enjoyments gratefully taken are at their heart acts of war. In celebrating this feast, we declare that evil and death, suffering and loss, sorrow and tears will not have the final word. (laughs) But joy and fellowship and the welcome And comfort of, of friends, new and old. And the celebration of these blessings of food and drink and conversation and laughter are the true evidences of things eternal. And are the first fruits of that great glad joy that is to come and that will be unending. Take joy. All will be well. All will be well. Nothing good and right and true will be lost forever. All good things will be restored. Feast and be reminded. Take joy, little flock. Take take joy. Seize it. You see that? Take joy. Let battle be joined. Let battle be joined. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, take seat, take feast, take delight, take joy, my friends. Take joy. Let's stand together.